Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. It's 2020. We've been waiting over 200 years for a cure, and we were promised we'd have flying cars by now. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Today, we're talking health, technology, and innovation. A quick disclaimer. I was contacted and pitched these stories by the companies featured in the podcast. I am not compensated by these companies. I'm not their spokesperson. And I approach these interviews with the same curiosity as I do with all my conversations. A major part of having Parkinson's disease is finding out what matches you in terms of diet, exercise, pharmaceuticals, therapies, and relationships so you can manage your symptoms and maintain the best quality of life for as long as possible. But are you aware of everything that's out there that you could be using? I wasn't. So recently I went exploring. I was made aware of a series of buildings in Surrey, British Columbia. Now, this is one of the largest cities in British Columbia, and it's the largest of the 21 cities in Metro Vancouver. It shares a border with the United States, and these buildings are directly across the street from Surrey Memorial Hospital, and it just looks like an office park. Currently, there's two buildings in working order, and then more are under construction. Inside is this magical place, this like bat cave, the Health and Technology District. Full disclosure, the district reached out to me. Having heard the podcast, they wanted to show me what they were up to. I'd never heard of it. And seeing as it's literally a 30-minute drive from my house, it seemed worth a trip. I was greeted by Dr. Ryan Darcy, a neuroscientist and co-founder of the Health and Technology District. This district was a vision uh, a little over five years ago that you could use technology innovation to make direct impacts on healthcare uh, for people today. And it's taken a group of uh, very uh, motivated people that work really hard and well together to bring it to what it is today. Why does it work? I think it works because we see the results. We see the improvements in people's health care when they weren't otherwise able to get impro uh, improvements in their health care. We see the companies being very successful at being able to come up with innovations that help people. And we also see a lot of amazingly dynamic young people who are changing the world here every day and love to come here to do just that. Well, you've got a lot of people working here, a lot of different companies, like 75 tech companies and mm -hmm. how many... Uh, in this building in this alone, building? 96 uh, medical specialists. So, so you're all bumping into each other. Yeah. And, and like, uh, how, how does that impact what you do on a daily basis? It's, it's, it's interesting because in physics, they talk about how collisions create energy. In an, in an innovation space and in an ecosystem like this, collisions create discoveries. And so what happens is you get your busy clinician with your busy scientist colliding with a company and actually coming up with an innovation that helped people. And so what's really important about this ecosystem is we're all here colliding together. Ryan led me on a tour through the facility. The, the entire area was built out of movable walls because we anticipated that our companies would grow and be successful and then move So all, all of these walls get, uh, can be reconfigured as, as companies change. Okay. Many companies have come in here and then they've gone to move to the buildings in the district. So they sort of, if they want to come quickly, they land here and then when a building comes up, they move into, into the new building. This is our uh, Health Tech Connects. So this is 
Helmtech Connects actually has these three divisions. So it has NeuroCatch, which creates the, the technology that's pushing forward the, the whole concept of the vital center. Yeah. And then we'll go and visit the clinical trial center and then the, the neuroplasticity clinic. Okay. But this is a pretty typical kind of Silicon Valley. <laughs> they got beanbag chairs and they're engineers doing super smart things. I never understand anymore. Oh, you, you heard him mention NeuroCatch? Yeah. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> I had no idea. So a few hours after this interview, though, I will become very intimate with it. So stay tuned. But for now, let's hear from Ryan. NeuroCatch is our measuring tool to allow you to know how your brain is doing today. We felt it was high time that we had a vital sign for brain function, just like how you manage your heart health with blood pressure. So we created NeuroCatch to be a, a deployable and completely rapid and easy to use measurement of how your brain is doing today. And so, uh, and how did that come to be? It came through over 25 years of research in, in, in research laboratories that I've run. And what it was, was we understood that our current way of understanding how our brain's doing hadn't changed a lot really in the last 40 years. Yeah, I know when they, when they asked me about my like, executive function, uh, there's a piece of paper and I gotta fill out stuff. And then right. they go, oh, you're fine. Right, in medicine we say that you can't treat what you can't measure. And for brain, our measurement systems were based on, as you said, paper and pencil. They're subjective, they're error prone. And so what NeuroCatch's mandate in, in life to do is to give you an easy to use, objective measure of your brain function. And so when you're measuring brain function, what are you measuring specifically? Well, if you think of your brain as a high performance engine uh, in a Formula One race car, which is what all our brains are, you really want it at top performance. And so when you measure brain function, you're measuring the, the performance of your high performance engine. So and, and what, what, what different parts of the brain are you looking at though? Like, we're looking, looking at, at your neurons, neurons, so your brain cells that are firing, and we're measuring the electrical activity of, of those neurons in action. So we literally watch your brain processing in action and measure that. And, and then how does that help you? It helps us primarily because it allows us for a measuring tool that's objective. It's based on your brain's physiology, so you can't, the results are the results. And that allows us to identify uh, effective treatments. It allows us to identify if people have a, a concussion uh, early or when they're wanting to return back to play in sports. And it helps us guide the treatments to take uh, find treatments that work and take people who were not able to recover from a brain injury or a brain disease and find ways to help them. Now when you're, is it mapping the function? You're, are you capturing the function in real time? Like do you see it on a screen? How does it? It's capturing the function in real time and we do put it on a screen so you actually get to see your brain waves which is super cool. But what we also have done is actually tried to reverse engineer to have a vital sign, a 120 over 80 for your brain, if you okay. will. So it gives you, okay, this is my brain's vital sign, and now I know if, if my brain is in normal operating conditions or if something's going wrong or if this particular treatment is helping. So is there, is there a future where you could, maybe it's the, maybe it's the now, where you can track uh, proteins as they go through your brain? So in advanced research labs, the brain imaging tools are very, very powerful. And so there's a future for tracking your cells and your molecules now. 
The challenge is it's kind of locked away from all of us in the real world. And what we're focusing on is taking all that complex science and turning it into something that's as simple as a vital sign and allowing that to create more paths to accessing all the complex stuff that we do in research labs. Well, you were telling me about uh, you know concussions. Mm -hmm. Now concussions becomes uh, less of a thing that you have to measure in a hospital. Right. You, you've got like a six minute concussion tester, right? Yes. Neurocatch has been deployed across North America and in concussions in ice hockey, it was the first time that you were able to look at your brain's function when a player was concussed and we took them to the dressing room. So we got to measure the effects of concussion immediately and then we were sensitive to detecting the residual effects of concussion when the players uh, were uh, being evaluated to return to play. So uh, what would be fun uh, is to get somebody with Parkinson's mm -hmm. on their, on their levodopa carbidopa at peak, peak performance and then just not give them any more medication for a while and just see, well, that the, wouldn't be fun. see the decline. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. But I see, yeah, so anything that affects your brain as a supercomputer, because that's really what our brains are. They're, our, they're the heart of who we are, right? Our personality, our intelligence, our capabilities, our decisions, all of those things. You can, you can, if you can capture that in an objective measure that says this is how your brain's performance is, that's really what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do that to find the treatments so that for someone with Parkinson's, we can find the treatments that work and prove your cognitive function or your motor function and that sort of thing. Back on the tour, Ryan is taking me around the corner to a physiotherapy and rehabilitation center where they're using a local mat. A very cool device. It looks like an exoskeleton or Iron Man hooked up to a treadmill. Whomever's getting therapy straps into it, and instead of your brain telling your legs what to do, this machine takes over. It forces your legs in that repeated motion, creating new neural pathways. Pretty cool. So, so this is neuromotion, and this is an example. Actually, you can see in the background there that. Um, yeah. This is where a lot of uh, advanced physiotherapy for brain injury and strokes and, and different neurologic conditions occur. And by virtue of being the, the most recent to the lower mainland, it's the most state-of-the-art uh, locomat. It's like the Terminator. It's, I, I say it's like a robot met a treadmill and had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. For sure. Ann Shaw is the clinic manager of Neuromotion Physiotherapy and Rehabilitation. So now what is it doing? It is basically retraining your brain to get back into that state of motion. So the muscles of the leg and the brain are not communicating, a little disagreement, and now they're trying to reopen those communications. So by getting the legs to go in the proper gait, the message is getting up to the brain, the muscles are getting tired and making some movement, and this is the way I want it to be. Have you ever used it for Parkinson's? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, just get some more comfortable. They put the body weight on, give them a little motion in it, and usually, typically, they don't want the legs on for too long. Okay, I got this. Get the legs off, and then you've got a great body weight system, which is your confidence on not going to fall. Yeah. So, and then it becomes a, hey, I can do this. This is great. <laughs> Locomat sessions can reportedly cost up to $500 per session in Canada. The machine itself is reportedly about $500,000, a cool half million. Down the hall and around the corner is Surrey Neuroplasticity Clinic where they utilize the PONS device. That's short for Portable 
neuromodulation stimulator. A lightweight portable device that slips around your neck rather snug and hanging off one end kind of looks like a stethoscope, but it's a rectangle. That part goes into your mouth and stimulates your tongue. And depending on your taste, it either feels like champagne bubbles or pop rocks. Sonia Brody is a neuroscientist and the vice president of services at the clinic. But yeah, I mean, so stimulating the brain isn't a new concept, but, but, but really. People don't think about the tongue. Exactly. Yeah. So, if so, you, so you, the nerves go straight to the center core of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. So in your brain, you have twelve cranial nerves that come off the back. Um, that's how your face moves. That's how your eyes move. You taste. You feel things with your face. That's all through your twelve cranial nerves. And two of them, numbers five and seven, your facial and trigeminal, are connected to the front one third of your tongue. So that's how you move your tongue, that's how you taste. Usually it's just sensory motor, but your nerves are really just like wires. So if you put electricity on one end, they'll just transmit that electricity back and send it to the back of your brain. So in the same way that, you know, transcranial magnetic stimulation over the top, deep brain stimulation with a wire going all the way deep down into the middle, um, there's alternating current stimulation between your earlobes and it just bounces back and forth. There's direct current stimulation on top. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you can stimulate the brain, but this is the easiest way to get to the back of your brain where your cerebellum is and your balance centers. So when you're teaching someone how to walk again, how to hold themselves and have that body awareness, it's a complicated, um, complex movement that requires stimulation back here. So my problem with Parkinson's is that my brain speaks uh, faster to my left side than my right side. Mm -hmm. So I, this is just lags behind. Mm -hmm. Can that be affected by that? I'd say it could. So what, the whole program is based on quality of movements. So we're not doing just random movements for the training. It's very purposeful, very controlled, thoughtful movements connecting your brain to your body and facilitating those connections. So if your brain needs to speak differently to one side than the other, your therapist will be watching that, tweaking it, and repeating, repeating, repeating at a challenging, intense point. And if you keep repeating that, your brain might have to find a different way than it used to, but you can train it to find that different way. I never really got a good answer during my tour on how much the treatments cost. I read online in a couple of articles that it's $30,000 for 14 weeks of a PONS treatment. Uh, the PONS device is used over a 14-week regimen. Here locally, in this facility, it costs between fifteen dollars and $19,000. Interestingly enough, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration spent seven months reviewing the application and clinical evidence for PONS and rejected it, while Health Canada licensed the device in a month or so without any clinical support. The FDA has since reversed its decision, approving the device just two weeks ago on May 14, 2020. The last stop on my tour was to have kinesiologist Mathieu Gagnon at the Surrey Neuroplasticity Clinic run me through two tests. And we're just going to make a profile for you. Okay. Last name G-I-F-F-O-R-D. G-I-F-F-O-R-D. So this first test is about balance. And those who know affectionately refer to this as the barf box. Officially, it's the Neurocom Smart Balance Master. Basically, we're going to be looking at your three balance systems, right? So yeah. your somatosensory, your touch receptors, your visual system, so how much you're relying on your eyes to maintain balance, and then your vestibular system, which is that inner ear um, telling us about our, our head movement. Okay. okay. So I'll get you all set up. Your right arm is going to go through here. I take my shoes and socks off, exactly. and I'm strapped into this tall box-like structure. It's almost like a parachute uh, harness here. Excellent. <laughs> so this goes across the 
front. There are walls on both sides of me and in front, but not behind me. I'm clipped in around my waist and around my shoulders and through my crotch. Woo, hello. I stand barefoot on a metal plate. So I'm guessing this is gonna be like a wave. Um, it's gonna be tilting you forward, backwards. I can't move my heels, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, you're gonna try your best. All you gotta do, Larry, is just try and maintain your balance. Okay? Good luck. So there are a series of tests within this test. The first test, I just stand still. The next test, the floor wobbles a bit. And then... Eyes are gonna be open again. Okay. Now, you're gonna feel that the surrounds, so the walls around you, yeah. may or may not move. Okay? <laughs> may or may, may or may not. Gotcha. But again, our eyes are open. Okay. So the, the walls are connected, I didn't realize this, and they lean forwards and backwards, getting closer and farther away from your eyes. And it really messes with my depth perception. You feeling ready? Ready. All right, Larry. Three, two, one. More than once, I pulled the safety chains to stay upright. Good. We're coming right to center. How was that? A bit weird, hey? Weird. Well, you said move. I thought there was going to like turn. Yeah, no, there. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Within minutes after the test, my results were in. So anywhere that you're green means that for your age, your height, and your sex, you scored within the normal limit. Right? So I only see two lines of green. Yeah. And, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's a lot of lines. Yeah. Uh, anywhere where it's red um, is indicating that you're not at the age match normative score for, for that okay. condition. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, one big thing that you do with your eyes closed is you'll start off really good and you'll, you'll get into that ready stance, right? You, you mm -hmm. bend your knees a little bit and then you start to favor going like this. So you're actually opening up the chest oh, really? and you're favoring this left leg a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's just something that you could, if you look back at the tape too, you can see, especially on the harder ones, you have that tendency to go left. Um, so that's interesting because my brain speaks to my left faster than it speaks to my right. Well, there you go, right? So that's probably, so it's, 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 it's probably, yeah, it's probably relying, it's relying more on that sensory input yeah. from your left side versus your right. So by me leaning more on it, it's just going to increase the amount of sensory right. input that I'm getting and it's going to help you feel more balanced. This one where we had three loss of balance with three <laughs> falls was specifically looking at your vestibular system. Okay. Because not only are you getting delayed feedback from your feet because we're moving with the floor, is that you're not able to use your, your eyes as a reference anymore. So it's completely reliant on that inner ear system where it's telling us about head movement. Um, so the you fact have no that, measurement for that then? Yeah, well... Zero. Zero, yeah. <laughs> um, what tells me that your ability to use vestibular input is not optimal. It's not where we want to be. No. Um, it's not something that you default to when you go in balance. Um, again, that can be something that's worked on, right? Um, this is your total score here. What did I get? Okay. 39? We're at 43. Oh, 43. Okay. Um, now that's, that's not good. Yeah, so it's it's below below norm, right? Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's where you are right now, right? Like, you it's have it's balance. Base. Yeah, and you have, you have balance issues, right? You knew that. Knew so that. you're going to see something that's not going to be Okay. At, the, at that normal level, right? Um, what that is, is that's corresponding to 39% below the norm. At this clinic, on the website, it says one test is $150, and if you want the pre-post analysis, it's an additional $250. Next, you remember when Ryan was talking about NeuroCatch? Well, here's the payoff. Now I'm getting strapped in. This is going to measure my brain activity. 
Yeah, it's going to look at your brain's activity in three specific domains. Um, it's going to look at one, how quickly your brain is realizing sound, so your reaction to auditory stimulus. Um, it's going to look at your basic attention. Um, basically, the way I like to describe that is an aha response. So if you're walking in the woods, let's say, and you hear, you know, it's nice and quiet, and then you hear a twig snap. So, oh, I'm realizing that something has changed in my environment. That response, how big it is and how how, you know, the length of time it takes you to have that response. And then it's gonna look at your cognitive processing. So specifically your, your semantic language processing. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. The NeuroCatch system is a scientific evidence-based approach that uses EEG technology to trigger, capture, and rapidly translate your brainwave signals into a standardized clinical report. Now each scan takes about six minutes. Uh, on the website, it says it costs $250 per scan, $350 uh, for the pre-post package. I sat down on a chair and Matu slipped a swim cap filled with wires and gizmos over my head. I'm going to slide you on here. Now, this is a quite a stylish cap. I so. know. It's, it's all the rage. This will be a LinkedIn picture, right? Yeah, it will be. They put headphones over my ears and I had to watch a single spot on the wall in front of me, a plus sign made from white tape. Afterwards, I explained what I heard. Like lots of little beeps. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they'd go, uh, uh, desk, cigar. <laughs> Random words. Yeah, so we're like, Ballpoint, knife. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking at congruent and, and non-congruent wayfaring. Because mm -hmm. it's going to force your brain to react in a different way when you hear that. I didn't have to do anything in that test. Just listen. And then suddenly, here are my test results almost immediately. We're actually measuring your response to the word pairing. So as you, you notice that some of them made sense, like, you know, ballpoint pen. Others didn't, like desk and, and knife or, or whatever, yeah. right? Um, again, we're looking at this is a significant difference between the two because you need to be able to know that those words don't go together, right? Like that's, that's different. Your brain's going to react differently to that. Uh, and then we're also looking at the latency and amplitude. So you can see that 400, we kind of want it in the 400 range. Um, you're at about 5-10 milliseconds. Now there's an accepted kind of upper and lower limit. Um, typically this can go as low as as fast as 300 milliseconds or as high as 600 milliseconds. Now there are a few things that can change mm -hmm. how quickly this happens. Like for example, if you're feeling fatigued, this might be slower um, gotcha. on that particular day at that particular time. Let's just say I'm fatigued. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are fatigued, you're going to see a, probably a, a little bit slower response. Um, again, we typically want to see this around 400. 510 is, is not on the upper, upper extreme. Right. But it is a little bit delayed from the ideal 400. Right. So not quite perfect. That's no surprise. And I'm done. But I, I had one more lingering question for my new friend, Matu. Let's say my brain was a famous actor, probably like a, you know, I don't know. Um, is it like George Clooney? <laughs> I don't know. That's a pretty biased answer. Do you like George Clooney? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's, you know, it's an attractive looking brain. Yeah. Is what I'm um, that, I mean, everyone's <laughs> going to have their own. Uh... He's, he's not going to say it. He's going to say Pee Wee Herman or something. <laughs> no, I would say, yeah, it'd be like George Clooney. I wouldn't say prime, prime George Clooney. Christian Bale? Batman? Uh, serial killer? Yeah, which one? Which Christian Bale? Because that's, that's two, two very different Christian Bales. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is definitely nothing I'm concerned about. Good. Um, you're having the right responses to the right things. Cool. At the right times. After spending a day at the Surrey Health and Technology District, it, it made me wonder why I wasn't aware of this before. I consider myself a fairly tuned-in guy, not just because of my advocacy, but I work in the news business. It also made me wonder why these treatments, and just the idea of innovation and health and technology working together, aren't more common. We're taking Levodopa every day, a pill that was discovered more than 50 years ago. It's the best thing we've got. I asked Ryan Darcy about it. Innovation in the healthcare sector is really hard, is the short answer. The healthcare system is overloaded with treating people with nowhere near the resources. And it's very tough to find the spare bandwidth to go out and innovate it and make it better. That's why the innovation, like the district here, this ecosystem, these are critical. Right, The model of building something right beside the hospital that starts finding solutions to the problem is the way we have to go because that's how we'll help uh, change healthcare and move it, it forward. Is it government red tape? I don't... Is I, it money, like investment? Is it time? What, what is, it's all of the above. I think, I think the healthcare system is overburdened. I think that it, the people that work in the healthcare system are constantly in a moral crisis of trying to help more people uh, in more hours with less resources. And so all those forces are for sure a challenge. But I think what, what we can do is we can tap our, our universities and our, our innovative companies to understand the problems and come up with innovative solutions. And to give the healthcare system full credit, when they see an innovative solution, they, they adopt it, they support it, they love it. It's, it's really, really an important partnership to have. You know, and then there's the idea of neuroplasticity. It's a game changer. Yeah, it's, it's a different world around how we understand the brain. For the longest time, we didn't really think too much about the brain. And now we're really understanding that from a technology point of view and an innovation point of view, we can, we can accelerate the, our innate ability to rewire new circuits. And that brings a lot of optimism, right? So whether or not it's a concussion or you have Parkinson's or you have Alzheimer's, what we can do is we can look at the situation now with a lot brighter, optimistic view to say, okay, let's talk about how we can move the dial on this and let's talk about the ways that we can measure that to make sure they're working. The most involved test by far was, was the barf box that <laughs> tested my balance. It took over an hour. And, and I asked Ryan why they spend so much time on balance. You can think of your balance as kind of a canary in the coal mine for brain health. If, if you want to know how is your brain health today, one fast and easy te test is stand on one foot and close your eyes and, and see your balance. And if you try and improve your balance over a couple days, you'll see you too can rewire your brain because you will get better balance. I was going to ask you if there's like an app or something. Now you're just telling me to close my eyes and stand on a foot. I'm just, I want a cool app for my phone. I always love things that are right in front of us that have been in front of us the whole time. So the idea that I can treat somebody for balance and improve them that way, and at the same time improve their cognition, I think that's phenomenal. Just make sure you have some cushions around you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, do it safely, for yeah. sure. Has this district attracted to some attention? Tons, yeah. <laughs> we, we have delegations from across the world coming here asking how could you put 
you know, innovation is always an abstract thing. People talk about it, but you never see it. And then they're like, you did this in such a short time and you're helping people and companies are succeeding and, and students are getting the most advanced training. How did you do this? We want to do it too. How expensive is it to develop health technology? It can be very expensive. Uh, it can range to so to get a technology. This is a great question for for people who are are wondering. There's less than a 10% chance of success when you have an idea and you want to get it out in the world as a technology to help somebody. There's uh, it's the odds are stacked against you, and the the I think it's the median time is 17 years, <laughs> right? So so this is not a fast process. This is not an overnight sensation. It takes dedication. If you could imagine um, five years from now, because we've been here five years and you've seen the success, it's surprised you how fast this has developed. What's this look like in five years? We're going to positively impact a billion people or more. A That's billion my five-year goal. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And what's the impact on Surrey? In five years, we should create over 15,000 tech jobs. And for the politicians, my favorite number, we've done the math on this, we've analyzed it. Uh, every year we'll input 1.1 billion into the economy. So, so we'll make a difference, right? That's what it's all about. Links to the Health and Technology District are in the show notes, or you can just go to healthandtechnologydistrict.com. Another innovation for people with Parkinson's is the TheraCycle. I caught up with Rich Blumenthal, who heads up sales. It was designed originally by a gentleman who was a mechanical engineer, and his wife was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which, like Parkinson's, is a progressive neurological disease. It was actually really popular in the 1940s and 50s, and it was, a, it was kind of like a household name. On weekends, I'm a professional dancer, but during the week, I keep fit with Exercycle. It's hard to find time to get to health clubs and spas. That's why I own Exercycle. In just 15 minutes, you can do seven basic exercises, all computer-controlled for your own... 20-something years ago, the company morphed over from the Exercycle to the TheraCycle and went back to its roots and focus on helping people who are living with some form of a progressive neurological disease. And so the, the name TheraCycle is, I'm assuming, therapy and cycling. That's accurate. So um, the people that we work with, I think, are generally speaking self-motivated and they want to get some some improvements and, and maintain where they what they have in terms of their mobility, their stamina, their strength. Um, and the TheraCycle's motor helps them, gives them a bit of an assist or a boost to get some um, get some kind of wind in their sails, I guess you could say, to, to help get these symptom improvements and exercise benefits that are becoming increasingly difficult for them to attain. And these, these are mostly the motor symptoms of Parkinson's that are affected, but it also impacts m m mood. Yes, d definitely. I, th I think it goes way... It's, it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of um, potential TheraCycle users think that this might just impact their um, their motor symptoms, but what we observe is that they have some real benefits in non-motor symptoms. So they talk about improvements in their in their mood, this their general mental health outlook. Their talk, they talk about improvements in their sleeping habits. They talk about improvements in bowel and bladder function. Um, they talk about improvements in their cognitive function. They feel like they're just thinking more clearly. They're a little sharper. Um, some people who are experiencing maybe an off period from their Parkinson's will tell us that when they ride the TheraCycle, when they're in an off period, they're able to just um, be much more functional. As, as a company, is your mission now more about therapy or is it more about selling 
bikes? Well, I guess it's both. Um, and that, you know, I think when we sell a bike, we're helping someone to, whether we place it in a clinical or a home user situation, um, if we're if we're selling one of our theracycles, we have a strong level of confidence that some whoever's using it is going to be better off for it. So, so, so mine would um, sit in my my, my my. I'm afraid mine would sit in my room and it'd end up collecting clothes. <laughs> well, I understand your point, and that's a real concern. Um, but there's a couple things I'd say. For starters, a lot of the people who come to us have been self-motivated and they know that they have to exercise even if maybe they hadn't exercised as much before their Parkinson's diagnosis. And what we observe is when people start using it, they are able to experience some modest improvements in their symptoms and so some benefits that, that they're receiving that they had not from their previous exercise program. So they're really, um, I guess, incentivized to keep with it because if they stop, they really, it becomes clear to them that their gait may become worse or their um, balance may become worse. And, and so they, they get some positive results, Larry. And so there's a real good feedback loop for them to continue with it. Now, if they stop, they see that they regress. And that's really, as I'm sure you could attest to, it's very concerning for them. Um, and, and so they'll, they'll stick with it. And as a matter of fact, we even have customers that call here who um, sometimes are saying, well, you know, I just moved, I just went down to my home in Florida and I was, I was, you know, for the winter and I was hoping to just do some other exercise. But the past two or three weeks since I've been off my TheraCycle, I've really noticed that things are off. And they're almost call, they'll almost call and order a second bike with like a sense of panic, um, <laughs> which in some ways is, is like a nice testimonial. Um, you know, so some, some people really ruminate on the TheraCycle for months or even years. And then when they get it, they're really over the moon with their improvements. And then they're, then they're really married to it. Like they're saying, like, if I go away, how can I, you know, like, you know, I'm going to my summer house. Can I, how do I disassemble this thing to take it with me? So, well, I mean, the, the, the reality of it is, you know, every, every, every one of these decisions that we make in, in what we do to help combat our Parkinson's costs us money. And so we want to make sure we're spending our money in the right places. And the TheraCycle, uh, frankly, isn't something you pick up at uh, the, the corner store. It's, it's an expensive and it's, a, it's an investment and a commitment. I agree 100%. And um, we have to kind of nudge our customers to see this as an investment and not just a discretionary expense. You know, it's not like they're taking a four-day trip to Florida. This is, you know, if someone invests money in the TheraCycle this is something that they can do that's going to help them for a long time to live a better quality life. As you stated, the TheraCycle is a big ticket item. And I always think that if people were dissatisfied and weren't seeing the results that they hoped for, that they would be um, screaming at us to get this bike out of their home. And so what, what are the price ranges? Um, well, they go from anywhere around $3,600 to the TheraCycle. That's for the TheraCycle 100 model up to... Um, just under $6,000 for the TheraCycle 300. But what we sell most frequently to people living with Parkinson's is a TheraCycle 200 model. Well, that goes for um, just under $4,800. We ship the bike for free to people anywhere in the in the lower 48 states. And then our take is, you have, and then you have a 30-day trial. And um, basically, we're making a pretty bold promise because we're saying to someone who's got Parkinson's disease that we really feel confident we're almost promising them that a month from now, you're going to be better off than the day you start with the bike. And if you're not, return it. Now, not to disparage Ikea, but this is not an Ikea situation where the big box shows up with 480 parts and I got to figure out how to put it together, right? 
No, no, it is it is a big box and it does weigh close to 200 pounds. But it's about 75% assembled when it arrives at someone's home. And they really just have to put on the seat, the handlebar, uh, the pedals, and the computer display. And for someone who's handy, it's generally about an hour of work. And it's common for our customers to um, call on their, their family or friends to assist them with finishing off the assembly. And then in addition to that, we do have an option for our shipping company to bring the bike into somebody's home and complete the assembly for them um, for an additional cost if they needed that to happen. What does it mean to you that you're having such a positive impact on, on these customers' lives? Um, it means a lot. It's undoubtedly the best part of being a part of this business is that, you know, knowing that we are making a product that makes such a sizable change in the quality of people's lives. So um, I've been here for over 10 years, and I know that there are customers who call, and um, they they really are thankful for this bike, and it's really helped them to experience some improvements that they just weren't getting um, with other forms of exercise. Um, and, and, and the other thing that I just say is, like, these people will go to the mat for us. It's common for us to ask someone who's a potential TheraCycle buyer to speak with somebody else. Like, our, my two cents here is that, look, if you don't believe me in telling you what this is going to do for you, talk to somebody else who's got Parkinson's and hear it for them. Not that I don't trust Rich, but hey, let's talk to somebody who's actually invested in a TheraCycle. Well, I'm Joe Pacenti, and uh, I'm 50, 54. I'm going to be 55 in July. I was diagnosed roughly 12 years ago. Uh, when I was 43, and um, I had the, I have the, I don't have the tremor. I have the, um, the stiffness, the freezing, and I thought it was when I first got diagnosed. I when I went to, I went to an orthopedic doctor, assuming it was just old football injuries. And I was just gonna have to deal with it, and then they put me through the battery tests and uh, put me on carbidope, levodopa, and I reacted so well to it that uh, they diagnosed me with Parkinson's. And it was like getting kicked in the teeth. <laughs> Jeez. That was the last thing I thought. I, you know, I had four kids at the time. I was going through a divorce. I just lost my dad. It was crazy. But I actually, I was at my doctor's a month or two ago. And doc, I go to a guy in Philadelphia at Jefferson, Jefferson Hospital. He said it's the best he's seen me look in the 12 years I was going to him. Wow, his eyes must be getting horrible. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> but, that's good, though. That's great. 12 years in, and you're looking better than ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I still work. I have the consulting business. I employ eight people. I run local municipalities in the area. I run six of them. So I'm still driving. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I credit a lot of it to Sarah. We, we got married a, a year ago, and she has three girls, and I have the four. So, you got to stay on your toes with seven kids when six of them are girls. Joe and Sarah were working a booth at a health symposium in Boston for U.S. World Meds. He takes Apican and is a big advocate. Uh, that's where they met Rich. Yeah, they they had they had a they had a booth a little down down the hallway from us. I was well, I always walk around and look for new stuff, and and I saw the bike and and the, and Rich was there, and I forget who the other salesperson was, but they sort of like gravitated and grabbed me and said, check this out. And I was in like dress pants and dress shirt, and I was like, I don't know what it's like doing this. But I got on it, and I rode it for a while, and they explained everything to me, and it was really cool. And uh, I went back and told Sarah about it. It was different than a regular stationary bike, so that's why I found it pretty interesting. It has a motor. I rode it for a while, and I felt pretty good. I felt like loose, which, which is great for me, always dealing with stiffness. 
you know, Joe was excited about the bike. We were at the symposium in Boston. So we were walking around checking things out and he came back from trying out the bike and said, come check this bike out. So it was cool. Yeah. When he said, check it out, what, what do you think he liked about it? Or what did you like about it, Joe? It just it was different and it, and it, and it used it used my full body my full body because it was, it, my arms weren't just hanging on the handlebar they were moving on top of it and plus I and it had this it has the speed control where you can go faster or slower depending on how you set the miles per hour so that I I tend to go a little higher now because I've gotten used to it and it, it get that much better of a workout it really it really helps you. So, and what I liked about it, they were selling me on the fact that it was something that's specifically made for people with uh, movement dis disorders. Right. So, and I was like, all right, let's look into this a little bit more. So. It's been, it's been another game changer. You know, it's another tool for the toolbox and it, it works really well. It's because uh, I, I used to ride the stationary bike in the gym. And my feet would curl up, and then my legs would get real heavy. Like my legs sometimes get really heavy. Like you feel like totem poles. Right. And I could I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a speed going on it. I'd be coasting it, almost coasting. Where this, you you find the right miles per hour on it, and and with the motor, even if you're struggling with the heavy your legs, it's still assisting you pedaling. And then the handlebars are like an elliptic machine, a rowing machine. So you're you're moving all over the place. It's really an amazing uh, piece of equipment. Well, and for for me, and I've not tried it out yet, but like it seems like I have trouble communicating to my the right side of my body, even with all my levodopa. So like when I go to ride a bike, it's hard for me to find a the the right rhythm because I can't correct. It, it's just sort of off, and so I, it's not fun for me, uh, even with my ten year old, because I just I, I it, it's just I just get infuriated because I know what it's supposed to feel like, and it doesn't feel like I'm riding a bike. It feels like the bike is you know trying to trick me uh, yeah you're, you're you're actually right right like i i would do that in the station i'd be riding and i think i'm kicking the speed and all of a sudden i had the left side problem my left side would slow down and then it was like almost like you couldn't you couldn't pedal properly it felt right. really weird. this it, keeps yeah this keeps you going you're not going to have the you're not going to have the left right side dilemma as much because the the, the the motor on it keeps you keeps moving so you're you're always going you're just going with it you got your you know your, your hands are your your feet are buckled into the straps, and it keep, you keep going really well. Now, how often do you use it? Once a day, and mostly in the mornings because uh, that's my roughest time. Once I get going in the morning, I'm good to go. Um, and then, and then I, but it it's, it loosens me up really well in the morning. I probably should I could probably use it two times a day and do it in the evening, but I haven't gotten to that yet. Just once a day, but it works really well, and I do like a push up regimen with it and stuff like that. No. But he only he only rides it for 15 to 20 minutes, yeah. so it's not like you're committing to an hour of exercise or an hour and a half of boxing. Right, or having to go to a class and then drive right. there and drive back. It's like it's just it's a 15 minute commitment. Yeah, and I'm not a big. I don't. I never even when I was playing ball, I didn't like to stretch a lot. This really stretches you out because depending on how fast you want to go and that kind of thing, it really pulls your arms and your legs, and it, it really works as a, almost like a massage table like people pulling all over the place because you're going in so many different directions oh most of, now you're talking about a massage <laughs> it doesn't sound like a bike ride at all <laughs> so so how many nights of clothes will fit on this no. that, that's why that's why we didn't put that's why i didn't put it in the bedroom <laughs> a lot. 
That's right. I told him, I said, listen, if we're going to invest in this, it's not going to be our no another clothes rack. It's going in the living room. Yeah, so we should. It's in our living room. Okay. So I'll sit and, you know, I'll it faces the, the TV. If, I'm not, if I don't have the headphones on or anything, I'll just put the, put the TV on and, and just listen to watch ESPN or something and just pedal away. And, and how loud is it? You can't even hear it. It's real, it's, it's like it's real. It's not like an engine, car engine or anything. It's real. It's actually pretty quiet. Actually, a stationary bike may be louder. Wow, and and like it's it's pretty heavy, right? Like it's not mobile. It's very heavy. I had, two of us needed to. My brother and I had to carry it in there. It was heavy. So so like when you get it at home, do they just drop it off and say good luck? Is it like IKEA where you got like four hundred yeah. parts. Yeah, and I have like I have yeah exactly, and I have like one screwdriver to my name, and so I called my brother. He put it together for me, and he's he's fairly handy, but he did it very quickly. I helped him. I like held the pieces for him. How many pieces does it come in? Uh, I guess maybe five or six big pieces, and then you got to put like oil. You, every five years, or something you have to oil the, the the little engine, and you put that in. It's all it's pretty self-explanatory when you put it together. And you hook everything up, and then you're good to go. It, it didn't take; probably took about an hour to hook up. So, how much does your brother cost to come out? <laughs> he, 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 works, he works for me; he has no choice. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to put this thing together. Yeah, that's right. You, you might want to call him. Then. Call He's a friend. Out. Yeah, I, yeah. I put my call son's tricycle together, and it took me a year to figure out that I put the uh, the pedals on backwards. So every time he tried to go forward, it broke. It was a break. <laughs> Sound like me. Sound like me. I have no talent for that. That's great. That's so funny. Uh, so, how long have you had the bike now? It's been over you know, a little over a year now. Okay, and so that's great. So you're still using it, uh, yeah. and you feel like it was a good investment. Tremendous, tremendous investment. Yeah, it's, it's it really has worked well. These are just two examples of private, innovative solutions to dealing with Parkinson's symptoms where health and technology and innovation collide. It's not for everyone. The money is real. <laughs> it's real money. Uh, and uh, it's oftentimes insurance won't cover it. So out-of-pocket money. <laughs> it's dollars out the door. Uh, but the investment can pay off in more good years as you keep symptom progression at bay. Well, hello there from our living room. This is Larry with Rebecca. We're checking in with each other at the end of the episode like we often do. Hello, my love. Hello. I enjoyed listening to you having the tests done. Oh, you did, did you? And listening in on that, yes. <laughs> Were you surprised by my scores? No. That's probably typical of most people with Parkinson's. I would have been surprised if they weren't like that. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> to get some sort of shockingly high score or whatever, but like, I don't understand. I noticed when they were doing the test that was doing the snapshot of your brain functioning, the words that go together and then the words that are, that mm -hmm. don't go together. Yeah. And how does your brain respond to that dichotomy and all of that? And lots of things could affect this score, like being fatigued. Right. <laughs> and I was like, you're hard-pressed to find a person with Parkinson's who isn't fatigued. <laughs> it's part of the experience. Right? But that also got me thinking, okay, well, if you're fatigued, it's slowing your brain functioning and therefore affecting how your body feels. But how your body feels is the main reason for why people with Parkinson's don't sleep very well. 
and on the cycle. Yes, cycle. But we just had a friend over the other day. She has Parkinson's and one of her issues is sleep. If she gets a good night's sleep, her symptoms are so much better. But that illustrates again to me, okay, well, if we can fix that sleep problem, (laughs) this is very anecdotal, but I see when you have a good night's sleep and when you don't, you are, it's world's difference. Right. And you know what her doctor prescribed her to get a good night's sleep? Running. running. Well, because she was a runner for yeah. decades before she got Parkinson's. Yeah, but my doctor didn't prescribe eating pizza. <laughs> Strangely enough. Yes. Well, I mean, if it's based on what you did before. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that gets us into the exercise yes. conversation and the theracycle. Theracycle, yeah. When you brought up the theracycle to me, I thought, well, that sounds like it might really fit because it'd be easier on your body, more tailored to a person with this kind of disease. Where I find we have this conversation where I'm addressing your resistance to exercise and trying to kind of break through whatever that block is. And, and maybe the theracycle is the answer because right now the idea of walking... Um, at, at, with any intensity on my feet when they're burning and in pain um, sounds horrible. And uh, what I do know is that physiotherapists will say, if it hurts, don't do it. Well, the problem is I'm hurting all the time. So if you only exercise when you don't feel uncomfortable, you'll never exercise. Nobody with Parkinson's or any other related disease or any kind of pain would ever exercise if they're feeling uncomfortable in their body. What happens then is that they exercise, often people will exercise for 15, 20, 30 minutes, feel the benefits of that, start to feel a little bit better, and then do it the next day, and then do it a little bit more the next day, and a little bit more the next day. Right. So it's just kind of moving, that's different from if it hurts, don't do it. Well, and maybe the, the, the forced motion is what I need, is something to help propel me. Sure. But then we, what we'd need to do is put it in a prominent space in the house and not put it in the garage or put it uh, in an office where you can close the door and ignore it. And, and it's not, it's 200 pounds, so you're not moving it. <laughs> right. Once it's there, it's there. It's there. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm going to have to hire Joe's brother to come out here and set it up. <laughs> a long trip to set up a theracycle. <laughs> Maybe there's somebody else locally that could do it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's worth talking about. Okay. I'm, I'm that voice that gently and lovingly tries to nudge you past that. Oh, well, that just won't work for me. Right. What is your, which is typically your immediate response because of resistance to exercise in general. So I'm trying to kind of get you kind of nudge you enough past that black and white into the gray area so that you start to consider the options. Well, I wonder if just um, a little bit. Dr. Darcy could create something where you could exercise, but I'd get the benefits. Right? Now, that's health and innovation. I know. I would do that. Sweet. <laughs> let's, 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 let's look into that. <laughs> I love you. I love you. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast written and produced by me, Larry Gifford. Our story editor is Dila Velazquez. Sound design by Greg Schott. Audio and video recordings from Al Cohen. Look for the video on social media. Uh, Joe and I met online. 
I remember our first phone call. I could not understand a thing that Joe was saying. It sounded like he was slurring his words and I kept having to ask him to repeat himself. And it was, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. And I thought, this guy must already be drunk. Our presenting sponsor is Parkinson Canada, parkinson.ca. One of the programs that Parkinson Canada offers is a confidential information and referral line. So if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to info at parkinson.ca or call toll-free 1-800-565-3000. Parkinson Canada colleagues are there for you. They're great listeners and can answer questions on huge range of topics. Go to their website, parkinson.ca, and look for the webinar that I hosted with Dr. Sonia Mather, Tim Haig, and Omatella Thomas on all the unique issues that the YOPD community have to deal with. Thank you to the Health and Technology District, Dr. Ryan Darcy, Ann Shaw, Sonia Brody, Matu Gagnon, TheraCycle, Rich Blumenthal, Joe and Sarah Pacenti, and of course my wife and partner in Parkinson's, Rebecca Gifford. Special thanks also to our promotional partners, Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness of young onset Parkinson's disease. You can find them at spotlightyopd.org. And in the U.S., Parkinson's IQ Plus U. This is a free series of Parkinson's events from the Michael J. Fox Foundation to educate and empower people with Parkinson's and their partners. Now, because of COVID, some of these events have been postponed. But if you go to michaeljfox.org slash PDIQ, you can watch for rescheduled dates. We're also doing some virtual PDIQ events. And there's a new podcast from the Michael J. Fox Foundation hosted by yours truly. It's a limited edition podcast. And it is talking about COVID and Parkinson's with Dr. Rachel Dolan, the MDS on staff at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Check it out at themichaeljfox.org. Well, I know we're all feeling trapped and isolated from coronavirus. It can drive you a bit cuckoo, but it might be worth thinking about where you want to go when all travel restrictions are lifted. How about you start saving some nickels and dollars today for a trip to Spain in two years? The 6th World Parkinson Congress is being held in Barcelona June 7th to 10th, 2022. It's the only totally inclusive scientific conference that opens its doors to people with Parkinson's and families. Rebecca Henry and I will be there, and you should come join us. Come on! Learn more at WPC2022.org. Hey, thanks for listening and spreading the word about the podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you're listening. And while you're there, give the show a five-star rating, if you can. Some, some of these services don't let you rate. But please share in the comments why you recommend listening to the podcast. And if you can't do that, then uh, pick a favorite and share it with your buddies. You can also engage us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also have a group page on Facebook. Or you can email us at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. Keep positive. Keep exercising, keep listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.